Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal podcast number 106. Today we're going to be rounding up the domestic 2015-16 season in Portugal. My name is Tom Cundert and to help me do just that I am joined as ever by Portuguese football coach and journalist Tiago Esteval. Hi Tiago, hey. how are you doing? Hey guys, how are you doing? All I'm good fine. here, good stuff. And after his debut appearance last time out, we had to invite on football commentator Patrick Kendrick, who, like a certain Renato Sanchez, has just finished his contract with Benfica. Pat's two-year stint as BTV commentator has come to an end. Pat, all good? And were there tears at the Estadio de Luz in that final game against Nacional? Hi Tom, hi Tiago. Uh, it was rather emotional. I don't know about tears, but it was uh, it was certainly a great moment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, first of all, let's focus on what turned out to be a fantastic championship race. Uh, Benfica, they just pipped Sporting at the end by two points as both clubs broke the record for the number of points they accumulated in a single season. Tiago, I think we'll start this week with you. As I just mentioned, Sporting broke their club record for the number of points won in a single season. They lost the fewest matches and they conceded the fewest goals in the league this season. But they finished second. Is there anything Sporting or Jorge Jesus could have done differently to win the league? Well, I think they did really, really well. And there's not a lot of things that they could have changed. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of important people, coaches even, uh, mentioned the fact that Jesus' comments to the press towards Rui Vitoria and Befica helped pump the the energy in SLB's as players, and that's that's true. I agree that JJ's approach to the media and to, to Rui Vitoria and to Befica could have been different, and that could have helped Sporting a lot more, because that definitely motivated the, the Eagles, but with that said, I mean, we can't really say that we can't really complain about sporting season. We can look at the the derby match and say that it was absolutely crucial because I know that sporting lost a few more points here and there than Mifika did, but even then, sporting didn't lose a lot of points. But the the, the Lisbon derby against Mifika in Alvalad, the second one, was extremely important and losing points at home there was was crucial that uh, the moment that Benfica won in Alvalade everything well not everything was set but it was basically everything ready for Benfica to to keep it up and I, I think they did well there I mean if Sporting tied that match it would have been enough and Je- Jesus has said that and they didn't despite the fact that they probably deserve it Deserved it with Brian Ruiz missing several chances and and all of that. But the truth is, Benfica won and that gave them the championship. I'm, I know it's tough to say that a certain match gave a team a, gave a team the 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 championship in the end. But when you have two teams having such good seasons, 
one match can be crucial, and in this case, it was the derby, in my opinion. Yeah, 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 I think I agree with you 100% there. Of course, Brian De Ruiz has really been one of the success stories of sporting this season. I don't oh, definitely, it's definitely, he's been, been super, great. Yeah, but that, that miss, it must, you know, it must come back to haunt him, I think. Definitely. Uh, uh, you know, missing uh, such what, what looked like an open goal, but... Uh, yeah, I think I agree with you there, and I think if you ask most sporting supporters at the start of the season if they'd be happy with uh, 86 points, I think they'd say yes. I think even George Zouch would have said yes, because <laughs> yeah. of course normally that would win you the championship, but not this time out. So Pat, uh, we covered Benfica's strong points in the last podcast. Uh, I want to put a proposition to you. Uh, Benfica, they lost captain Louisan for most of the season. But few people remember that before his injury in November, he'd actually been in very poor form. And to be honest, he didn't really look too good making his comeback last weekend, although I suppose that's kind of understandable after so long out. Uh, my question is this. If Louisan had remained fit, do you think Benfica may have been a weaker side? And, or to put it another way, how much credit should we give Victor Lindelof uh, for the fact that uh, Benfica ended up champions. I mean, from what I saw, I don't think he put a foot wrong all season. I think it's definitely about the way um, that you look at things. It's whether you want to look at things in the cup half full or the cup half empty. I would prefer to focus on the prominent role that Victor Lindelof had when he, when he came into the side. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. This is a player we weren't necessarily sure what he could offer to Benfica he'd been in the in the B team for a couple of seasons he clearly had potential otherwise he wouldn't be part of a of a Sweden side that won the European under 21 championships and and he had to bide his time but it is true what you said with uh, with Louis Zhao he went out of the side uh, with that injury when he broke his arm against Sporting in the cup and before then in the league Benfica had played nine games and they'd lost three of them they only lost one other game after, after that. Uh, admittedly, he wasn't involved, but he played in all three of those those early seasons defeats to to Aroca, uh, Porto, and Sporting. So, definitely, what we saw in the in the Tasta Liga final was not the best display from Luizão, and I think it's only to be it's quite understandable given his age. He's 35 now, he'll be 36 next February, and. A player like him, a lot of his game is, is based on positioning, yes, but still you need to be mobile. He was trying to step out of defence to intercept passes from Maritimo in the, in the Tasta Liga final, and as soon as your timing is slightly out there, you are exposed. And there was a huge difference between seeing that and seeing what, what Victor Lindelof can offer, and also Jardel, who's deceptively quick, because they're able to cover in behind if they do go for that first ball and they don't quite win it. They know when to jockey, they know when to, to make the challenge, and I think the lack of match fitness that Luisel had and perhaps just the loss in physicality have definitely, have definitely shown. But he wasn't in, in great form at the start of the season, Tom. You're absolutely right. And we will never know. It's really one of those, uh, you know, my grandmother always used to say, if ifs and ands were pots and pans, there'd be no need for tinkers. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, very, it's very hard to know. It, it is a conditional and... Um, you know that may ultimately be a big regret for for sporting fans, knowing that perhaps Benfica would have been out of the title race. I think it's very hard though to pin it on one player, and also to pin it on a player who's just won his fifth league title in Portugal. I think that would be um, 
rather churlish and I think it would be a bit too simplistic to simply put Benfica's early season form down to, to Louisiana. Uh, you could, you could make a very stark case saying that Benfica won the league because Renat Sanchez came into the side and you could also make a, you could also make a similarly, um, simplistic explanation that Benfica won the league because Louisiana went out of the side through injury. I, I think there's a lot more to it than that. I think much of it owes to Benfica's rather chaotic pre-season in the United States. The fact they were getting used to a new manager, a new manager was getting used to them. There are a whole host of factors. And ultimately the team did start to pick itself, be it through, through injury and unavailability or form of certain players. Um, but yes, based on what we saw in the Tusta Liga final and in those opening nine league fixtures, Luizão had uh, a bit of a season to forget. But ultimately, he's uh, he's the club captain of the uh, three campeões. So there you go. Yeah, that's right. And he's been he's been you know it certainly wasn't my intention to to have a go at Luizão. He's been a magnificent servant, and I think uh, <laughs> you know even as recently as last season, he, he had an absolutely brilliant season. But just uh, really, like you said, uh, I think I was the the, the whole uh, point of this discussion was uh, really the uh, tremendous uh, effect which Lindelof had. I think it wasn't I don't think anyone was expecting him to be so solid and so perfect. And I'm glad there you mentioned Jardel because for me, perhaps one of the most unsung heroes of uh, of Benfica. He really was also superb, and the two of them really made a rock solid. Uh, you know, heart of the Benfica defence, and that's very interesting. Also, what you say about his pace being deceptively fast. I remember reading uh, years ago when George uh, Jesus was still manager of Benfica, and uh, Jardel was just uh, being uh, contracted, I think, from Estoril. And uh, a lot of people were very surprised when George Jesus said that he was, I think, he said he was the fastest person uh, in the squad, or if he wasn't the fastest, he was the second or third fastest. You know. So, uh, yeah, like you said, um, you know, a very good contribution from both of those two. We'll never know if, uh, you know, that, that injury to lose out might have been a little bit of a blessing in disguise. So, uh, now I'm going to ask both of you the same question about Sporting and Benfica, respectively. Uh, Tiago, who for you was the player of the season for the club, for Sporting in this case, and why? Uh, which lion roared louder than any other, in your opinion? Well, can I pick two? <laughs> no, uh, yeah. on a serious note, I mean, there were several players with good seasons. Adrian and Ruiz both had a really good season. If I had to pick just one, it would be between Slimani and Romario. Uh, Slimani, obviously, due to the goal score, due to even the assists he had, due to his defensive importance for the team, because he's always the first one to pressure, and he does it very, very well. He's a fantastic striker. This year he had the best year of his career. He's probably going to England, and he's probably one of the best strikers of his kind in the world, in my opinion. I It's very rare to see someone work as much as he does, and someone that has evolved, that has evolved as much as he did, because if you guys remember when he got to Sporting, he was absolutely dreadful te- technical, technically. I mean, he had trouble to pick a pass. He had trouble to do anything that wasn't a header towards goal. And now he works a lot for his team. He works a lot with his back towards goal. He helps a lot of his teammates. He, has, he had a couple assists. He had a fantastic season. And he's, he's a great, 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 great striker. And Jomari, due to the fact that he ended up 
firstly, he's obviously a great player. He had a great season last year already. But this year, he handled a position change, or somewhat of a position change, really, really well. And he's, a, he's very, very smart, very humble. And the way he handled the position change that, that Josh Zouge gave to him, and the way he trusted his coach, and if, if Jesus asked him to play on the right, I mean, there must have been a reason to it, and there clearly is, and probably in the years, he's probably going to start on the right. And somehow, some way, he still created more chances than any other player, he still came to the middle and created, and all of, all, all of Sporting's game went through his feet, he had a great season, and it shows that he's not Shows that he's a humble person. Shows that he's a really, really smart player, and that he can accept any coach giving him his true opinion on what's best for him. And I really like that. So those are those are my two options. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, and I think also we might see this summer. Uh, unfortunately, from sporting fans' point of view, I wouldn't be surprised if both players uh, yeah. moved on. Yeah. I can see that happening. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pat, uh, as you would expect with any championship winning team, there are more than a few candidates for player of the season. Uh, who was Benfica's best player in 2015-16 in your eyes? Well, I could probably tell you who their best player was definitively in 2016. Uh, I would say that's Edison who came in uh, just before the second Lisbon derby against Sporting and then played 10 games. Benfica won all of them. And they went on to clinch the title. But as you said, it's over the course of the whole season. So I can't really consider the goalkeeper just by virtue of the fact that he didn't play enough games. And that said, you have to be very good to come in and arguably improve upon what Julio Cesar was performing. Because I think he's been outstanding ever since he joined Benfica. Similarly, I can't give it to Lindelof much as I'd like to because he only played 15 league games. So it really comes down to three players for me. Um, One of whom is... Jonas, who's the only player in the Benfica squad to have featured in every single league game. Also the top scorer, the Portuguese player of the year. And so that would be the obvious choice. However, his form did just tail off towards the end of the season, just when Benfica needed his goals. I thought that was a very interesting to compare how Slimani was scoring more than ever towards the end of the campaign when Sporting were winning more convincingly than Benfica were, and, and, and Jonas's goals just started to tail off a bit. Another mm-hmm. candidate would be someone we've already mentioned, Jardel, who, uh, who played 30 of the, of the 34 league games and was really the constant in a very changing defence with Lisandro getting injured, with Luizal getting injured, with Lindelof coming in. He was often captain as well in the, in the absence of Gaetan. So scored, I, scored some important goals as well. Scored some very big goals. Yeah. It took him a while to get in the goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually when he did, they, they all came towards the end of the campaign. He got, he got three in the, uh, in the league, plus that one in the, in the Tass of the Liga final. But the, the big goal for me was, uh, was really that, that opener against uh, Tondela. And then also the uh, the big winner against Vitoria Guimaraes when Benfica didn't look like they were going to score at all. And his so I'm I'm having Jardel just edging out Jonas, which will be an unpopular decision because goal scorers tend to get a lot of the praise. But I do find Jonas tends to uh, tends to score his goals in bunches. He tends to get two in the same match in in games that are potentially already won. Whereas sometimes when you need a winner, he can be found wanting. That's not to say I don't rate him. I think he's a fabulous player, and he wouldn't be involved with Brazil if if he wasn't. So to me, it's between Jardel, whose who's virtues I've already mentioned, and uh, of course the man who's just moved to uh, Bayern Munich. There's, 
I said it would be too simplistic to say that Benfica won the league because Ronaldo came into the side. But if you look at the statistics, it's absolutely outrageous. I think on the before the final game of the season, which he, he wasn't involved in because of his his suspension the previous week after the sending off against Maritimo, I think with Ronaldo in the side, Benfica had played 24 in the league, won 22, drawn one, and lost one. Um, and this is a guy who can do everything. A lot's been written about him. A lot's been said about him. Uh, if people haven't watched him, I hope they get to see a fair bit of him next season at Bayern Munich. I hope the competition for places isn't too much. Um, and just on that basis, I'm very tempted to give it to Renato, but I think I'm just going to go for Jardel because, as you said, Tom, he is the unsung hero. He's someone who doesn't get the praise he deserves at Benfica, and uh, and he was fabulous. In a defence, by the way, I know you said Sporting conceded the fewest in the league. Benfica only conceded one more than them. And lest we forget, that was a goal in stoppage time when they were leading 4-0 on the final day of the season. So uh, I'm, going, I'm going for Jardel, just edging out Renato, who would have won it next season had he bothered to stay in Lisbon. <laughs> OK, uh, fantastic explanation, Pat. Uh, can't add anything to that. These are troubled times for the club that, until recently, was completely dominant in Portugal, FC Porto. Uh, We'll be discussing Porto's woes very soon, but uh, first, let's tip our hats to the Portuguese Cup winners. Braga overcame Porto in this Sunday's Portuguese Cup final, threw away a two-goal lead, and it looked like a similar story to the last season when they were uh, threw away a two-goal lead and eventually lost to Sporting on penalties. However... This time round, they came up trumps, won the penalty shootout and won uh, only the second trophy in their history. Curiously, 50 years to the very day that they won their first uh, Portuguese Cup. So, Thiago, uh, the Arsenalistas have made incredible progress, really, under the presidency of Antonio Salvador in this past decade. How does this Braga team compare to the other great Braga sides of the past 10 years? And in your opinion, were they the worthy winners of the Portuguese Cup? Well, firstly, talking about Braga in a more general approach, I believe that this Braga team had something, or had two things, that any other didn't. And that's what made this Braga team really special in my eyes. Firstly, it was obviously Paulo Fonseca is a brilliant coach by now. By now, everyone's aware of his capacities as a coach. By now, everyone knows that his stint at Porto didn't go too well, but that hinders in no way his capacities. He's great. He did a great job at Passos. He's now doing fantastic in Braga. And he's probably fly- flying through to Ukraine by now. I don't know. I'm, I think. <laughs> I believe. Um, with that said, he's a brilliant coach. He had a great, great season. And Braga this year had something that they didn't have in past seasons, which was squad depth and quality squad depth. I believe I even made an article about this early, early in the season. I even talked about their slim chances to succeed in Europe this year, which they did, in my opinion. They didn't do too poorly. They did quite well. And that's all due to squad depth. They had a really good European run. They had a really good, uh, I mean, championship run, because they stayed in fourth place, which, was, which is their objective. They had a really good Tasso Liga run. They only lost in the semi-finals to Benfica, uh, which w- then gone on to win it. And they had a really good Tasso run because they won it. So 
I mean, you can't ask much more from this Braga side. I think all the other Braga sides were good. They had a lot of quality. But they could only either have a really good solid league run or have a, or have a solid European run. They never had such a complete season as this year with Paul Fonseca. And that's due to squad depth. For each position, they had at least two quality players. And there were a lot of, there was a lot of rotation in the team. There were several, several quality center mids, several quality wingers, several quality strikers. I mean, there was experience with players like Alan. There was, there were new, new talent. Well, not necessarily new talents, but young talents such as Rafa, such as players like Ricardo Freire who came this year and are, and had fantastic seasons. And with all of that, they, they had several, several players who went, well, Hafa was always a constant in the team in terms of their, it's, it's his, it's their best player and I think everyone's aware of that. But even without Hafa, they had a lot of quality players. The quality between everyone is really similar and there's a lot of depth. So despite the changes, everyone's were, everyone was aware of the team's model and I think it went really, really, really well for them and they, they had a really, really good run in every competition they were a part of and they're special this year. I like them. I yeah. enjoyed their season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with all that. Especially the. I remember up front, especially they had a lot of options, didn't they? I mean, players yeah. like Wilson, yeah. Wilson Eduardo and Rui Font uh, didn't play that much, but whenever they, they had, did, they yeah, had, they had Asan, Rui Font, yeah. Wilson Eduardo. They had yet another striker, Salikovic. Mm-hmm. Those are four strikers for two spots, and they all rotated. For yeah. the wings, they had Rafa, they, have, they had Pedro Santos, they had Alan, who despite his age, he's 36 now, I believe, despite his age, he always, he's always a quality player. They had Aaron Niguez, who's a, who's the brother of, of Niguez from Atletico, and he's, he did really well when he came in. They had several center mids who, who had good seasons. I mean, even the center backs rotated, they had Bali, they had Ricardo Ferreira, they had Andrea Pinto. I mean, they had a really good season, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, well, Pat, we've just been waxing lyrical about Braga. One question which is often asked by observers of Portuguese football from outside the country is whether or not it's possible for a fourth grand uh, to emerge, you know, i.e. if a team outside the traditional big three of Benfica, Sporting and Porto can truly be title candidates. Uh, now, you've been completely immersed in Portuguese football for the last two years. In your opinion, from what you've seen, can Braga fill that gap? Is it realistic? I think it's tricky. I think they are very much the best of the rest. Um, they've finished in the top four for six of the last seven seasons. They've had a, a second and a third place finish in there as well. The European football, the regular European football definitely helps, I think. Playing in the Europa League means that they're challenged against other opposition outside of uh, outside of the Portuguese league which means that their season doesn't just boil down to the games against uh, Benfica Sporting and, and Porto and, and that's why they've been able to pull off certain results four points against Porto this season alright they lost both league games against the top two but they knocked Sporting out of the the cup and I think that definitely helps it helps with revenue it helps with visibility it helps with attracting players and there's no doubt that Braga are definitely the best of the rest whether they can make the step up now remains to be seen. I think had Jorge Jesus not gone to Sporting, then perhaps there would have been a void there to be filled looking at the season that Porto have just had. They could definitely challenge for a Champions League place. I think that's the first step towards it, 
It's trying to finish in the top three for a couple of seasons consecutively, which, by the way, is no guarantee of Champions League group stage football. You still have to negotiate the playoff, which I know for Portuguese sides is not always a guarantee, much like it is for, for the team that finishes third in Italy. So I think Portugal have a good coefficient. They're the fifth best league in Europe, lest we forget. It's not France. This is a drum I'm constantly beating. I know you're doing likewise, Tom. Yep. Um, I think it would really help if Portugal was to one day have four teams in the, in the Champions League, four qualifiers, which is, is some way off. You'd need uh, Benfica or, or Porto or Sporting to really make the final of, of the Champions League or someone to win the Europa League, something like that. But I think if one of the other, or two of the other top three were to get distracted by a lengthy European campaign, there could be a, a chance for Braga to come in and, and fill the void. But I was so impressed with them this season, especially when they came to Stade de Luz. I know they ultimately ended up getting thumped 5-1, but that scoreline was very misleading. Anyone that was at, at, the, at the game or saw the, saw the match will have seen that yeah. in the first 10 minutes, Braga absolutely dominated Benfica and should have been a couple of goals to the good. And then it was only a wretched defensive mistake which gave Mitroglou the opening goal that, that meant that Benfica were able to sort of go on and win that game comfortably. So based on what I've seen I think they will continue to finish within the top four for many years to come unless something radical changes in the, in the Portuguese football landscape. As for whether they can make the step up I think it has to be gradual. I think first of all they have to be looking to break into the top three and having a Champions League run and then they can push on with that additional revenue and that ability to attract players but uh, Porto should be worried based on how they've been performing recently and uh, well, we saw that as well in the, uh, in the cup final Yeah, and right on cue uh, let's move on to Porto right now uh, it's three seasons now without a major trophy that's nine competitions uh, something that would have been absolutely unthinkable three years ago as Porto collected their seventh title in eight years with that uh, dramatic uh, title victory against Benfica uh, and that was, at, that was also their 20th championship triumph in 29 years. So, uh, Thiago, what's gone so badly wrong at Porto? And uh, I suppose more importantly, can they invert the situation? Or do you think this decline is possibly terminal, especially with the fact that both uh, Benfica and Sporting look to be in rude health? Well, well they can invert the situation. I'm not saying they're going to... I doubt that they'll go back to winning every single league for the next five years because there are other teams in the championship. We're not playing alone here. But, like, they can invert the situation. They can definitely challenge for the title next season. And I think that's their objective because this year they didn't really do it, did they? Um, despite the... I mean, they had their moments, but they didn't. They never challenged for the title itself. With that said... Not winning the cup. I know. I know. Porto fans are not going to like me too much for saying this, but not winning the cup might not even be that bad for them. And <laughs> I'm not. I'm not claiming that not winning a cup is a positive thing. Don't get me wrong. But if they had won the cup, I believe they would be tempted to keep Pozzo. And while I'm not saying I dislike him in any way, I have nothing against him. I believe they need to make a quote-unquote revolution this summer, and they need to. Re- revolutionize the entire side. They need to bring in a new coach, bring in a new philosophy, uh, give some chances to some B team players, bring in some solid transfers, get like transfer away certain other players that didn't have good seasons or that are just burdens for the club. 
and start fresh, start new. And I do personally, I don't see them doing that with Pizarro in charge. And all of the names that are being mentioned, that are being mentioned for Porto, I believe that they could do that with them. Whether it whether it is Paul Sosa or Mark Silva or even bringing back Vital Pereira, um, I believe they could all give some fresh look to the club. Uh, some people are mentioning Sampaoli. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I find that quite improbable. But if Sampaoli does come to Portugal, dear me. But with that <laughs> said, no, it would be fantastic. But yeah, I just yeah. don't see it happening. No, but with, with that said, I think they need a straight-up revolution in the squad. They need to keep three or four of the starters from this year, in my opinion. Uh, we talked about this here, but Danilo and the two the two fullbacks and Danilo are probably the, the, the three big players to, to keep and everything else needs to 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 be switched around. Especially especially defensively. I mean Porto's centre backs this season were were a disgrace, weren't they? Yeah. I mean so, I never saw something like this. It's so unusual, isn't it? Because when you think about Porto down the years, that's one of the first things you think about is you know, right going back to Aloisio, to George Costa, to Fernando exactly. Porta, to George Andrade, to uh, you know, even Bruno Alves, they've always had such strong Yeah, and now this year, you look at them and you <laughs> see, well, we have Indy, <laughs> and you go, yeah. all right, there may have been a mistake here. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think they can do it right now. They, I think they need to change a lot of things in the summer. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, Pat, uh, as we're summing up the season as a whole, uh, from your experience of watching uh, all these clubs and commentating on all the clubs coming to the Estadio de Luz to play Benfica, uh, tell me one or two other clubs or one or two other individuals outside the Big Four who you think maybe deserve a special mention. I think Arroca first and foremost. I thought they were absolutely uh, fantastic, really, going uh, going above and beyond uh, what we expected. Uh, I had the misfortune of going to uh, just one away game with Benfica this season uh, as, a, as, a, as a fan, if you will, and uh, and I went to Aveiro in the uh, second week of the season where Benfica <laughs> oh, lost boy. by a goal to nil, and that was uh, very <laughs> much lucky. doom and very yeah. much doom and gloom at the time yeah. because they they only lost uh, one other game on, on the road besides that, and that was at the Dragão. Um, so what are the what are the odds of that? But uh, I was I was very impressed with what I saw from from Arroca that day. Just organised and uh, not overawed and willing to suffer, if you will. I know it's a rather European concept that, but sort of the ability to sit sit in and not go to pieces when under sustained pressure, which is always going to happen when you play when you play a big side. And uh, I mean. Great defensive record. Then you can see the 38 goals. They didn't score that many, but I mean, fifth place is a, is a remarkable achievement for a for a rocker. So I, I think they have to really be the, the team that, that stood out for me. Yeah, and then uh, of course the big story really was Tondela somehow rescuing themselves late on when it looked uh, all all dead and buried. But no, I was um, the ones that impressed me really outside outside of the the usual suspects, if you will. Uh, well, two of the big three in this case, and uh, and then Braga having their their typically solid campaign was, uh, I have to say, it was it was a rocker. Yeah, yeah. Can I can I add something? Go for it, Thiago. Um, just a minute. I was going to mention Antonio, obviously, because everyone would. They had fantastic seasons, but Rio Ave, they did something that 
Portuguese team seem to have trouble doing, which is being consistent, and they got they grabbed the European spot yet again. Yeah, and that's great because you normally have Sporting Benfica or whatever to a big three, and then Braga, and then two teams that are random, quote unquote, because every year they tend to change because the team next year normally can't can't do both Europa League and the Championship, so they just end up in a in a lower position. So Hiwab kept it up, and is it their third season in a row in Europe? In Europe, maybe the second. I don't know, but either way, they're doing really well, and they're keeping consistent performances. They're staying as a regular side, and this is a team from a really small bit village. I believe uh, like a bit like Aoka, and they're they're becoming a consistent consistent force in the league, and they're becoming a more and more European club as the years go by. Yeah, yeah, good shout, Tiago. Yeah, very well, well run club, aren't they? Because they've had, yep. they've gone through quite a few coaches, but uh, even so, they always seem to do well. It's interesting, of course, uh, Pedro Martins, who really did such a fantastic job there. He also did an excellent job before at Maritimo. Mm-hmm. He's actually left Rio Ave now, and he's uh, going to take over at uh, Vitória de Guimarães, I believe. Yeah. So uh, I think that's probably good. That's probably good news for Vitória Guimarães, another club who really have been uh, underperforming. I think. Justa! Justa! So I'd like to uh, wrap up this uh, by asking both of you to nominate your 2015-16 team of the season. Uh, going right through from goalkeeper to striker. Uh, just a little uh, one-line justification maybe for each player. Uh, Tiago, who's your uh, 11 of 2015-16 in Portugal? Are you sure you don't want to give it to Pat first? You can give uh, it to Pat first uh, if you want. <laughs> Okay, well, whatever. Go, go then, Pat. Okay, um, I will start by going with uh, Rui Patricio in goal, uh, simply because I can't really justify putting either the Benfica goalkeepers in or Edison perhaps on, on the end of season form. But uh, Rui Patricio was in the the goalkeeper behind the best defence in the league, so he would be in goal. At left back, I would have uh, Miguel Layun of Porto, whose assists were quite incredible from uh, from that position on the pitch. Uh, I would go with the Benfica pairing of Jardel and uh, Lindelof at centre-back for the reasons we've already discussed thus far. And at right back, I'm going to go for another Eagles player, Andre Almeida, who I myself have been a big critic of in the past, but I thought his performances grew in consistency throughout the campaign and I think that's possibly the the weakest area of my team but there wasn't really too many players that, that stood out uh, in that in that position for me I mean the fact that Shalotta was playing at, at right back for Sporting comes the end of the, come the end of the season shows that they had a bit of dearth in quality in that position as well has to be Renato Sanchez in central midfield uh, I would have two sporting players I'd play Brian Ruiz on the left wing actually I know this is very Benfica and sporting heavy, but when you look at the both of them achieving record points totals and the end of the season run with uh, 12 wins and, and 9 wins in a row respectively, it could only really be them. So I'd, I'd play Brian Ruiz on the left, I'd play João Mario on the right, uh, then I'd have Renato Sanchez in the middle. Uh, alongside him, 
it's it's a tricky one to be honest because uh, I know Fazer was solid for Benfica, but he didn't play the whole time with with Samaris. It's not to say I'm only considering uh, these these two players, but uh, I also liked what I saw from Danilo at, at Porto. So I think if I had to go for a sort of defence midfielder, I'd, I'd go with him alongside uh, alongside Hanad. And then up front, it's the uh, the top two goal scorers in the league, Jonas, the uh, the winner. Of uh, the top goal-scoring award in uh, in, the, in the league, and then uh, Slimani alongside him, who had a, a fabulous campaign. As uh, as Thiago's already mentioned, he was frightening every time I saw him, and uh, particularly at the Stade de Luzon, that three-nil win when they uh, when they scored all the goals inside the first 35 minutes, and Brian Ruiz scored in that game as well. So that's why he's also in uh, my team of the year. So there you have it. It's uh, it's all big three, I'm afraid. But uh, that's that's the uh, the team I'd go for. Mm, some team, okay. Pa- uh, Thiago, can you beat that? All right. <laughs> All right. No, I had a I had a really a really similar side. I even had Andrea Almeida right back too. So I'll I'll make some changes based on on Pat's side, so we don't have the the big three going on and on and on. So in going, well, I also had Rui Patricio, but a player worth mentioning. It's probably Mika from from Boavista, who had a really solid season. Boavista only had 41 goals conceded, I believe, and he's now on his way to Leicester, from what I heard. Ah, I didn't realise that. Yeah, of course, he's, he's one who was one of Portugal's heroes in the yeah. uh, 2011 uh, 2011 World in Cup, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the 20 World Cup, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> so I I believe Hanya is interested in him, and I think he has everything. Set to go to Leicester, which which I found quite weird. But then I look I look back on this season and I kind of understood it. And so that's a mention. Lyon was obviously great on the left. Lindelof in the middle, either Lindelof or Jardel could give their places up for Hugo Barstow from Mallorca, who had a fantastic season. Or to have two different centre backs, I'm actually going to go with Hugo Barstow from Mallorca, who was probably the most consistent out of out of that side. And Ricardo Ferreira from Bra- from Braga, with a massive, ma- massive rise this year, and who's even, to me, is even someone to consider for the national team future. And uh, well, maybe you watch too, but they're they're in different different positions. Then on the right, it would either be Andre Almeida, Bayano from Braga also had a good season, so that's a good shout. I can't avoid putting João Mario and Sanchez in in the midfield. As well as Danilo, but instead of either Danilo or Sanchez, you could go, you could go with Adrian from Sporting, weather really really good season, and who will, in my eyes, who would be a starter for the national team in the Euros. Um, on the left, you have Ruiz, but you you could also have Braga de Rafa, who had yet again a great season, who's probably going to move away, and he's another player that's a contender for the national team eleven, and. While up front you could have Slimani and Jonas, who are undoubtedly the, who would be undoubtedly the the best pair. I mean, you could give a, a shout to Bonatini from Sturil. You could give a shout to even Mitroglu, who ended up scoring a lot of goals for for Benfica after a, well, well after a somewhat of a slow start. But yeah, uh, I think I think that's my team. My side is probably Pat's side, but I just decided to insert some. Some lesser quoted names, so they so they get their their nice. attention as well. Nicely done, Tiago. Yeah. Okay. Well, just listening to that list of such talented players reminds us of what really a high standard of football continues to be played in Portugal, and uh, long may it continue. 
Uh, unfortunately, time has beaten us today, so we'll have to wrap it up there. Uh, Tiago, thank you very much for your brilliant insight, as usual. Thank you very much, guys. And Pat, thanks for finding time again. Good luck in your future endeavours, and hopefully we will have you on the pod again in some capacity in the future. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Thank you, gents. Okay, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be turning our focus very much now to the 2016 European Championship. Don't forget for in-depth coverage of the tournament, uh, both before, during and after, go to www.portugal.net. That's P-O-R-T-U-G-O-A-L.net. We'll have a whole series of articles on the Portuguese national team. And uh, we'll also soon be starting a series of podcasts dedicated solely to the Celsau and their campaign in France. So look forward to having your company then. Until then, fiquem bem. Just there!